Partway through today's discussion, I described Richard Dawson's Nothing Important as harrowing. But I'm not sure that was the right word. For sure, Dawson's work calls to mind harrows, churning up frozen fields, snagging the blades on a rock, a big agricultural machine on the verge of collapse. But somehow, this tale of a child who didn't live seems celebratory, if always dangerously close to a total breakdown. But before I hand you over to Richard Dawson's bafflingly literate lungs and richly textured guitar strangling, let me explain temporary fandoms to any hapless listeners who may have arrived here by accident. We choose an artist and listen to their complete discography in chronological order, and then we try our best to share the experience with you. We've done this several times over, as you'll see if you visit our website at tempfans.com. This season alone we've covered Björk, Sleater Kinney, McCluskey and much more. You can also listen with tunes if you follow the special Spotify link in the show notes, and we're looking into ways to make listening with music easier for season four, because frankly, why wouldn't you listen with the music? Anyway, it's always a pleasure to bring you one of my very favorite contemporary artists, and today is such a day. So let's get on with it, as we bring you the unique sound of Geordie singer-songwriter Richard Dawson. Hello there, welcome to Temporary Fandoms. We are heading towards the end now of season three. Season three. And um, yeah, I'm, we've done some some immediate stuff. We've done some really famous stuff. And hopefully today we're going to bring something, today and next week, we're going to bring something new to you that, as uh, Zoe will mention later, some of you might really like and love and adore, and some of you might find difficult, but bear with us. Trust me, I've gone through those emotions this week as I've listened to what we're going to listen to. Anyway, I am Ewan. I'm Nick. And today we have joining us, well, rejoining us, um, host of my teenage band podcast, which is heading into season three next, I think. Yeah, that's is right. Is Nick Taylor. Welcome back, Nick. Hello. Thank you. Um, you, if anybody on the social medias may have noticed that uh, Nick Taylor did um, pimp out the message he was on, the episode he was on, um, on his wedding day. So uh, thanks for that, Nick. <laughs> Podcasters never sleep. What can I say? <laughs> um, and rejoining us, um, well, I say rejoining us, uh, a, a podcast regular, um, Zoe Van Hess. Who you will also um, be able to hear in the one of the latest singles by Bloodwine or Honey. Um, I believe it's called Attraction, featuring uh, well, someone called Katie Tunstall, but more importantly, the vocal stylings of Zoe Van Hess. Zoe, hello. Hi, how's it going today? Did I get all those? Did I get those details right? They're absolutely correct. Yeah, it is Katie Tunstall. Ooh. I don't do much on that one. I'm just doing a bit of backing vocals. So. Don't put yourself. Damn, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Zoe, welcome back. You have you, you last time you were on, you were basically you were bringing us um, ESG. Mm-hmm. Um, who are we going to be working our way through in the next two episodes? We are going to look at the work of Richard Dawson, who is from the United Kingdom, specifically Newcastle, and I think he's a very interesting artist indeed. Thank you. Um, I've mentioned this to someone. Everyone I've mentioned this to in midweek has gone, what? I, they've either gone, Richard Dawkins or <laughs> Richard Hawley. Um, there's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of that going on this week. Um, there may be a slight change of format today. Hope We're just going to try out a couple of things. A few breaks and pauses will be in different parts. 
but you'll notice those as we go along. The next voice you hear will be Zoe, and we'll be back in a bit. Richard Dawson is a British musician from Newcastle. He plays the guitar. Now, I'm one of those annoying people who feels they've done their time with guitar bands and that this genre rarely has anything new to offer. And that's why I'd like to spend a bit of time with Richard Dawson here. Yes, he's a white guy with a guitar, but he's also a perfect example of a musician transcending genre, of being utterly in control of one's musical faculties and of working at your craft until you've perfected it. He's a shining example of what I mean when I say I want an artist who's pushing the limits, someone who takes a musical trope and gives it a good hard twist and or steers it in another direction entirely or simply does it their own way. If you've never heard of Richard Dawson, please don't let musical classifications put you off. He's been described as folk, unhelpful, avant-garde, too wanky, he's very down to earth, and left field. Fair enough. Strangely, Joanna Newsom is sometimes brought up by musical journalists when they're writing about Richard Dawson, even though they look and sound completely different. However, there is definitely a shared spirit in their music. Another reason why I think Richard Dawson deserves our ears is because the trajectory of his musical evolution is a beautiful thing to behold. It's such a pleasure to watch an artist grow as a singer and songwriter. When the Temporary Fandoms group delves into a discography, we're used to it going roughly like this. Blisteringly vital debut album, followed by a gradual, or not so, decline into, well, bobbins. It's not spoiling it to say that this one starts off fairly mediocre, goes off on a tangent, then arcs to an absolute pinnacle of... genius? Well, I guess that's for you to decide, but I don't throw the word genius around lightly. Quite simply, Richard Dawson made me like guitars again. If you're not that keen on guitars, then take heart. We're also going to immerse ourselves in another one of Richard Dawson's musical projects, Henogleth. More electronic and pop, with a good dose of electric harp in there. Overall, it won't be an easy listen. Think of it like hiking up a mountain. A fairly steep one, but nothing crazy. Hard and uncomfortable in parts, but ultimately worth it. I'd say it frequently requires headphones and your undivided attention. I'm not sure you can get away with having some of these albums on in the background. I believe you will get out of it what you put in. Marvel at the view from the top. My ideal outcome is to have one of you listeners walk away from this a proper fan, not just a temporary one. And it would be a bonus if the rest of you hate it. A lot of what we do at Temporary Fandoms is sort of like therapy, trying to work out the whys and hows when we really love something. I've recently been thinking about the idea of the musician as a conduit. It might explain that feeling that we get sometimes when we're confronted with virtuosity and feel nothing, and yet sometimes we're exposed to what people would consider outsider music and we feel everything. It's not just a weird flex, this outsider thing. Some of Richard Dawson's music speaks to me of higher truths, of things we already instinctively know, but just need reminding of or articulating. I hope you'll come down this woolly path with me. Album 1. Richard Dawson sings songs and plays guitar. 
released in 2005 on Downbeat Records. We start off with a somewhat unremarkable album. You'll have to track this one down on YouTube, I'm afraid. The clue to this one is in the title. He is clearly singing songs and playing the guitar. Quite well, in fact. From what I've read, Richard Dawson has dismissed this album as not being up to much. He's complained that when he first started making music, he couldn't sing and that he sang in a weird American accent. I'd be very happy not to be able to sing like this, but he does have a point with the odd accent. You'll be pleased to hear that it doesn't last. There are definitely Richard Dawson motifs all through this, but there's nothing much here that foreshadows what will emerge later on, which kind of tickles me. Opening up with I Will Make It Up To You, by the time we get to I Will Kiss You Goodnight, we can discern that the writing is fairly pedestrian, and in fact most of the tracks on this situate the album squarely in the modern traditional folk bracket, complete with whistling on Babes in the Wood. The song Jane inches us a bit closer to what comes after it, but it sounds like a copy of something. It's a bit Nick Cavey, as is Between the Long Grass. Kazali's Joy is a highlight for sure, but there's something inauthentic about this album for me. Like he's trying on the genre for size and he's not really sure that this is the music he wants to make. If you played me this album as an introduction to his stuff, I have to be honest, I would not feel that inclined to check out more. It's not my thing at all. It's a tiny bit corny and a little predictable. Still, it's quite popular among fans, so what do I know? That could be because once you know what Richard Dawson is capable of, you can look at this album in a new light. The Magic Bridge, released in 2011, originally on Pink Triangle with various re-releases on Box Records, Domino and Weird World Records. Here's a quote from Richard Dawson. Can I just say there's no way in hell that I'm going to attempt the Geordie accent? He says, I always loved singing, even when I was a kid. I was really big headed when I was a teenager. I used to think I was a brilliant singer and I used to tell people I was a real tit, but actually I wasn't very good. I was sharp and flat and singing in an American accent and just doing a bad Mike Patton impression for years and years. I only really learned to sing maybe around the magic bridge. Even then, I don't listen to the albums back much at all, but I heard the odd bit of it and I had problems with the singing already. After that record, I started thinking about it in a different way. I learned a lot from Phil Tyler and Sarah Hill, who's one of my best friends. It's about being yourself and singing in an unadorned style. There's a fine balance between really considering the sound that you're making while also being natural. So I feel like a real beginner again, in some ways. I've been doing it for a long time, building up strengths in certain areas, but you get to a point where you realise you know nothing. This is a low-key album. It's a total mood, so I don't think it's something you can force. Perhaps it would be wise to come to this one when you're in the mood for it. It's got a great album cover and it's such a contrast to the last one. This album is a mix of instrumental and vocal tracks. You can tell the songwriting has gone up a notch and it's way less predictable in form. The opener, Juniper Berries Float Down the Stream, takes its time to unfold, confident that it's going to draw you in rather than try to please you. Those discordant notes, or whatever the technical term is, make sure that it never descends into a folk comfort zone. Then there's Black Dog in the Sky. Wow, 
this is a step up. The emotion of wooden bag, it's all laid out, and that voice. Grandad's deathbed hallucinations is certainly a trip. There's such command of melody and narrative. The Bamberg Beast, hark at that guitar work, and consider my interest peaked. Some might find this overall a bit too quiet and intimate, but I imagine if this hits you at the right moment, or in the moment, it can be a rewarding listen. It does feel like something has been unlocked here on album two. But we're not going to stay here for too long. Let's move on to album three. <laughs> 